Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez with my co-host Brad Binkley and our very exciting and fascinating guest for today, Etienne de la Boutie Squared. I know I'm not pronouncing that exactly right, but I'm trying. I try. And he has just got the probably the most bang for the buck in red pill history, a book that I absolutely love. I feel like everyone should have this on their coffee table and just invite their mother-in-law over and make her wait while you finish dinner. And by the end of it, she'll be telling you about how government is a scam. It's the book is called government, the biggest scam in history. It's designed for visual learners and boy, do we need stuff like this designed for visual learners in this day and age of hyperstimulation and low attention spans. So without further ado, let's talk about this book, Etienne's work, and what we can do to kind of foster the cause. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, it is so good to be with you and your audience. I, I think people are really going to love this. And I have to say, even though, uh, you know, we're in, Binkley and I are in the business of peeling away the propaganda and really understanding what the way we, what we do our entire show, our daily show is about listening to the news. Like we're not, you know, in Syria figuring out what's going on. We're just listening to the news and peeling away the propaganda and seeing what's really happening. And a lot of people listen and they're like, Oh, like you guys really analyze this stuff so well. And I feel like once the scales are fully off your eyes, you can actually get so much out of what the mainstream media is feeding you that you, you can use, it's almost like it's all a limited hangout and you can use it against them to wake people up because some of their stuff is so ham handed. But what really I point to the most with this book, when I show people is how you literally column by column, side by side, compare Nazi Germany, the USSR, East Germany, and US government tactics. I mean, some of the visuals are almost identical. Some of the salutes and the, so I, maybe, I don't know which is better. Should we talk about the book first? Or I really wanna know where you come at this from. Do you wanna give us a little bit of your background, your bio and what this mission is? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So I guess it, this this started is I'm uh, I, I'm a volunteerist that used to be a libertarian, and when I was a libertarian, I worked at one of the big four think tanks, and I was a researcher, and I had access to a three thousand dollar a month Lexus Nexus terminal in 1996, and uh, and I realized that the story that was coming out of Oklahoma City after the Oklahoma City bombing from the national media was very, very different than the story that was coming out of the local media. And for those that aren't familiar with LexisNexis, you can get any article in the world, any transcript of any news show, like you name it, it was there. And so I'm going back and forth and realizing that the mainstream media is changing the story that came out of Oklahoma City, that they're omitting, you know, key relevant, you know, pieces of information that implicate the, the, the government, that the, you know, the bomb has, has thrown stuff, you know, that they're, they're, a bomb has obviously gone off on the inside of the building, throwing debris across the street versus the government story of the bomb going off you know, in front of the building, which should have put all the debris into the building and, 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 and that way. And, and just that they were, they were omitting, you know, key pieces of information like Brigadier General, Gen, uh, General uh, Bitten K. Parton, who ran the armament or the Air Force's armament uh, testing laboratory and blew up buildings for a living. 
came out and said, hey, no way, this is not, this is not what really happened. This was not an ammonia nitrate fuel explosive. There are obviously explosives placed within this building. You can see in the pictures of the, of the damage that there's Busant blast damage. Samuel Cohen, the head, the founder or the uh, inventor of the neutron bomb also came out and said, this is not, you know, we're not, we're being lied to about, you know, what's going on in this and that, that uh, you know, info bomb didn't do this. And so I realized, I mean, so I had, you know, I realized that, that number one, the government is absolutely out of control and, it, you know, blew up a building and what appeared to be an effort to tar the militia movement that was growing rapidly after the FBI murdered 80 men, women, children in Waco. And so because there was a growing militia movement, what it looks like they did is they blew up a federal building with a daycare center in it to tar the militia as white, you know, uh, supremacists and the media was going along with it. And so I began uh, paying attention at a level that most people probably haven't been paying attention at and taking and, and collecting all of the evidence of government criminality and, you know, onto these uh, flash drives that support the book. And so the, the book is supported by a flash drive, a wafer size, credit card size flash drive that we call the Liberator that has all of the evidence that backs up the book. And then we have a 16 gigabit uh, liberator that breaks down some of the major either, you know, hoax events or false flag terrorism events where we're, you know, taking all of the evidence that's being disappeared off of YouTube and Vimeo and, uh, and off of the internet, isn't being indexed by Google, isn't being indexed by, you know, other controlled search platforms. And we're archiving it to where anybody can just, you know, pull it out of their wallet at a friend's house and, and you know, and copy all of the evidence, uh, including the full length of the book. But uh, that was really how I woke up was when I realized that the government had blown up a federal building and a daycare center and the children. That was the most upsetting thing was that the children. And for me, I did for years. I, I, I remember the day and Binkley will remember this too. It was the Parkland shooting in 2018. It was Valentine's day. And I was, we were on the radio, terrestrial radio on the weekends. And I, I, I tried to get the story and for the first time ever, I could not really figure out exactly what happened by doing the internet, by researching on the internet. So it was always limited hangout. I knew that, but I, I used to make the most of that. And that time I couldn't, it was scrubbed for reels. And I said, this is the day the internet dies. But what I didn't realize is what it was going to do to some of the stuff that I had compiled over the years. So that was in February. In August, they took down my WordPress site mm -hmm. and I had cracked the code on numerous false flags. MH370, uh, Miriam Carey was a woman shot down in DC. She wasn't, it wasn't a false flag, but there was the Navy Yard shooting. There was um, the Boston Marathon bombing. That I did a lot of work, like proof positive, here you go. Yeah. I had all like links and some, a few videos I downloaded, but I just could not keep up with it. And I got my text back. I got the articles I wrote back, but all the links were dead. All the media was gone. And so all the proof, all the like radio call in, like that's not what happened kind of stuff from Boston Marathon bombing. It's all gone. And, and if I had, I just, who has the time? So I can see how after seeing a daycare center blow up, and that was even before 9-11, but for me, it was after 9-11, it was the Boston Marathon bombing that kind of red-pilled me. 
but I can see how that would spur you to action. But I also feel like you can all, you know, there's only so much you can do. You got to, you got to earn a living and then you got to take care of your family. And maybe you got one more thing to do. We podcast, but I can see how that would spur you to action. Cause it seems like a very, um, intensive project that you're, uh, that you're doing and you're doing it right. That's what really impresses me is how effective this is. I want to understand like how you got so good at that and how you, you know, got started doing it. Well, you know, working at the think tank helped. And so that's what I'm trying to do with the Art of Liberty Foundation is start a voluntarist think tank, the same, you know, that's putting out the same level of scholarship as, as a, you know, as a Cato or a Heritage or a Brookings, uh, but is doing it from the standpoint that government is always illegitimate. You can't delegate rights. You don't have yourself. You can't be bound by a social contract that nobody signed. And democracy is, you know, two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. <laughs> and then really focused on massive, massive evidence of government criminality. And I call it organized crime theory. My running joke is I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I am an organized crime researcher. And what I'm I love doing that. Is, it's so true. Yeah, it is so true. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to, you know, what I'm trying to popularize is something that I call organized crime theory. And the basics are, is that, uh, is that um, government was never designed to protect life, liberty, and property. Government was always designed to rule and enslave. The root word is gubernare mente means to govern, gubernare means to govern or control mente, the mind. Uh, by the way, entertainment is entertainment. So to entertain means to hold or possess and mente the mind. So entertainment means to go into the mind and hold it and possess it long enough to show you a commercial or, you know, some kind of propaganda from, you know, the powers that shouldn't be. But that gubernari mente program, uh, you know, starts with controlling the information that the population receives Number one, with the mandatory government school. So we're going to raise you in the church school. We're going to slip you government as a religion. The religion is called statism. It's the belief in the necessity, the legitimacy, and the desirability of having a government at all, even though there's no ironclad law of the universe that says you got to have a government. And, uh, and they're hiding from the population the fact that the, that the world is a self-organizing system. It produces spontaneous order. We do absolutely fine. We do way better without government because we wouldn't be being robbed of half of our income in overt taxes, covert taxes, and inflation, and, you know, where that is siphoned off to these organized crime cartel companies that are operating together with the government to monopolize the media, to control the currency, to, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, um, lobby and bribe for mandatory aluminum and mercury laced vaccines, et cetera, and all the other ways that we're being robbed by Washington, D.C. Um, but that's my thesis. Government is illegitimate. And it's the government and the media working together, in addition to the mandatory government school, to, to control the information that the population receives in a way that is now becoming very, very, very apparent. It's absolutely, you know, even to the average Joe in the street, they understand that the government and the media are lying about a great many things. And so then what I try and break it down is, and, and using visualizations in the book, show the media monopolization, show the media ownership charts, and show the, you know, organizational charts that, 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 that um, make obvious 
how they're controlling the content across dozens and dozens and dozens of ostensibly private, independent news outlets. But when you use visualization to make the connections between the reporters, the editors, and the publishers uh, visible, you find out they're all tied into uh, the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Trilateral Commission. And then all of a sudden, when you can see that with your own eyes, or your friends, or your relatives, or your family can see how all of these companies are connected, then it becomes obvious, oh, that's how they're selling COVID. That's how they're selling 9-11. That's how they're selling, you know, the next war based on lies and manufactured intelligence or the next, you know, bailout where they hand trillions of dollars to private banks, private companies. You know, that's that's what what uh, what I'm trying to uh, to make visible using visualization, using the media ownership charts. And that does work. I've noticed that like the it's on the back of the book is all the presidential candidates with halos around their heads. Somebody just sent me a meme, texted to me a, uh, a meme that showed the same headline like, uh, you know, I don't know what it said, like Philadelphia has to do something about these mass shootings. And then it had a picture of cops at a cop car. And it's like Tallahassee needs to do something about these mass shootings, Colorado. And there were all different news outlets with the same headlines, just swapping out the city and the same picture. So it, it's clear that there's a level of coordination there that that people, they don't, you're not going to see it because you're not in the, see, somebody just sent it to me and it's just the exact same article from like five different newspapers, but it is the yeah. same. Article. I asked him to check it out. You know, I was like, make sure that's real. You know, even I was skeptical of that. Yeah. But you can see they just have a formula. And then you have to ask yourself, people say, well, they're just trying to make a buck. It's like, it can't be that. It has to be, they're trying to serve their own interests, but it's at a higher level than just making a buck because if they want it, there's plenty of room. And that's what I was going to ask you about. If you are going to put out, say, um, a think tank like the Art of Liberty, I, I almost worry if it's really, truly a threat to the state, then, I mean, it, it's just we're just one step away from them actually removing entire like URLs from from the DARPA controlled Internet. So there, that's something I think has to be addressed. And I guess we have time now to build a network. But have you given that any thought? I don't want to derail you from. No, no, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why I, in the internet age and of digital distribution, that I produce a hard copy book, because the other half of what we're trying to do with the Art of Liberty Foundation is how do you win the whole thing? How do you widely expose the criminality of the government, the control of perception program of six monopoly media companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion that there's all these different information sources. And then on the new media side, you've got about two dozen plus uh, new kind of internet, either, you know, video sharing sites, search engines, social media, fact checking, you know, go down the list where, you know, they've given the Facebook, Amazon, Twitters, uh, you know, I believe these are, these are, these are, um, companies where they gave them internet technology uh, before anybody else yes. and allowed them to commercialize it, ripping off the taxpayer yeah. off of, you know, what had been developed in DARPA and ARPA labs and have, have provided unlimited capital to these, 
you know, two dozen plus companies, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the LinkedIn's, the, the uh, Wikipedia's, the Reddit's, the Snopes, the, you know, uh, Amazon, Google, YouTube, et cetera. It's like and one monopolist in each niche. And they've all, you can always trace back. Seems to me, I can always find even the face job has some kind of military connection or whatever. Yeah. And that's why libertarians, it's, it's easy to argue that it's a, it's privacy. I mean, a private company and that it's okay for them to ignore the constraints on government that were hard won. I mean, if you have to live in a slave state and the, and somebody, the people who fell for it gave you a little protection, you need to live by that. And they don't have to because uh, they're like supposedly private, but I've talked about this as a backdoor of fascism where it's not the government giving contracts to the, to the companies. It's the companies imposing a kind of law on us that is people don't even see it. It's, it's creeping up behind them. And it's all those, all those companies that looks like there's a bunch of them, but it's, a, it's a, it dominates each little niche, which is each little subcategory of each little generation or demographic. And, and they dominate while looking like there's variety. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing to, you know, to, to keep in mind about this whole program is that this is, they're, they're running this as an, as an organized crime tactic to uh, obfuscate the theft of trillions of dollars of everybody's tax money. And they're doing things like disaster capitalism with COVID to where we're going to engineer a you know, a crisis uh, to be able, and I, what I believe is to hand trillions of dollars to private banks and private companies through these bailouts and stimulus. And so we're being ripped off. They're making trillions of dollars a year and, and just being able to hand themselves bailouts and stimulus. And then the media is not telling us the truth about what's really going on. They're obviously lying. They're, you know, they're, they've been, I've got an entire folder in the, in the Liberator flash drive where the media has been caught time and time again, just creating news stories out of new, you know, out of whole cloth, whether it's Siri and Danny and they're setting up, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, you know fire, firing or whether it's the, you know, the uh, BBC or the uh, CNN report from the, first Gulf war. Where oh, the, the Scud missile set, that made out of Scud paper missiles, mache. They're obviously on a set. They're, obviously they're laughing their asses off. Laughing their ass off while online pretending to be scared and, yeah. and trembling. And, oh my God, the Scuds <laughs> are coming. And so, it, so th that's the level of deception that we're under. Now, the good news is, is that once you're able to like convey those basics that government is legitimate and it's the media and the government in on it together and the, it's the entire media, they've all been monopolized. They're taking trillions of dollars and stolen money and spending a couple hundred billion, which is not a lot. You know, I mean, like the, the if you're stealing trillions of dollars, you can afford a couple hundred billion dollars a year. In fact, it's the marketing budget. It's the, you know, it's the advertising budget. And that's essentially what they're doing. And then any news source that gets close to getting, a, you know, a number of different eyeballs on it, will just stack money on it. They bought YouTube oh, for yeah. $1.6 billion when it had less than 100 employees. It was Microsoft just bought Discord for $10 billion. Today. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just stack out this money on the table because it's more important for us right. to be able to tamp down the truth tellers that are that are trying to explain to us how we're being, you know, how how the system is ripping them off. 
than it is for them to make money or anything like that. So we'll just stack money on the table just to make sure that nobody tells anybody about how we're robbing the planet. Or what they say about Big Pharma having commercials on network television for stuff that people are not allowed to buy directly just so they can make sure that the news doesn't say things that it, it, they don't like. That that's what they say about the big networks is that they get so much pharmaceutical funding that they will never report in against the interests of the pharmaceuticals. So like when you look at the news, you think they're making money on those commercials, but it's not necessarily the commercials that are in the news. The commercials in the news are probably for Jack in the Box, but the commercials the rest of the time are for some like weird stuff that's like and it may cause death. You know, it's like, okay, you'll never hear about it on the news because so it's like not always obvious the drawing the line between what they're selling mm. and what you're, what you're buying or what the product is like, why is Gmail free? Because data has value. Well, yeah. It's also not free once you get to a certain limit and after you've used it and got used to it, they say, well, now you need to give us a dollar 99 for this amount of data or nine ninety nine for this amount of data. I, I've reached that point. I've had to go back and delete all of this stuff. Otherwise your emails don't show up. And they still use your data in the background. Yahoo yeah. won't do that because they want all that. They don't uh, want to I also lose think it. they're data mining it. So, I mean, I, I mean, they're, yeah, they're for sure. Uh, YouTube, I'm sorry, uh, Gmail is publicly data mining for quote unquote advertising. But, but, but uh, you know, one of the articles that we have in the Liberator flash drive is how the CIA made Google that breaks down the specific programs, the specific DARPA programs, the Highland Forum that Google came out of and leaves absolutely no doubt in the viewer's mind that uh, that Google is a CIA, you know, or a reader's mind that Google is a CIA front operation to control uh, perception on the DARPA internet. They were doing search. They were going through the Echelon data. They had a program called Echelon where they were scooping up uh, all the different, you know, uh, you know, faxes, transatlantic cables, tapping transatlantic cables, tap, you know, uh, you name it. And the word on the street in DC, I'll, I'll tell you what I can prove and what I can't prove. But the rumor is that Google was the original search engine to go through the echelon data. So they were doing search really? before anybody else was doing search. They knew the importance of dominating search. And so as the, when they released the internet to the public, um, you know, I believe they, they already had figured out which, uh, which companies and technologies that they needed to drive to make sure they could control perception widely. And that's where they placed their investments and their bets. And they gave these companies a head start. And it's not that we're dealing with private independent companies. It's we're dealing with cheaters and liars and criminals. Is muted. So one thing that I think is really critical that you bring up, and I noticed it, I've gone to a couple of Ivy League schools and or virtually Ivy League schools, and I started in community college. It's not where I came from. It was very hard for me. I transferred to Harvard as a junior from community college. And I literally like did not know how to dress like for that. Like I just didn't, I got a job. I just didn't know anything at all. My father's a truck driver and I was at an extreme disadvantage just from that level, going from lower class to what was really going to be an upper class expectation. But then when I got to graduate school and I was in school with people whose names like were on the tops of buildings, 
I realized that they had a very different perspective. And not only that, but they had gone to these high schools where a high school was much more important. And I know you like John Taylor Gatto. He pointed out that the high schools are where the really elite learn the important stuff. Like by the time they get to college, like me, I was the token poor kid in the college, but they weren't really teaching me how to plan for, for intergenerational world influence, if not dominance. And I, and I think that's what people don't realize. I always say like, if you were John D Rockefeller, so he lived a hundred years, he was really smart. He had no scruples and he, you know, what do you do with that? Well, he figured out how to run the world forever. Like he figured out how to have an intergenerational impact and he had enough time and money and smarts and, and had no qualms about corrupting the government that he actually affected that. And I feel like that's the thing that people don't realize is that it's not like they, these guys are reinventing the wheel every time they're inheriting the knowledge either from their families or their foundations, or it's set up like that. Like there's a rule against perpetuities for you to leave money to like a third generation in the future and control how your family spends it. But foundations and corporations do not have that, those limits. And I think that goes to how they do things like have a forever plan on media, government, the direction of the future. And I think that's the, that if you just think of media as like selling ads, you're missing the long game. Right. The, uh, and also Cecil Rhodes, uh, who, you know, wrote the country of Rhodesia was named after and who ran, you know, a lot of the diamond mines in, uh, in uh, South Africa, allegedly for the Rothschild family. He did the exact same thing. He left, um, you know, probably the equivalent of hundreds of millions, if not billion dollars to the roundtable groups that exist today as the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the Australian Institute for International Affairs. Chatham the- House, Binkley's favorite. You, you yeah. got it. You got it. And so so these, you know, it, you know, it only takes a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of uh, really wealthy, wealthy either, uh, you know, individuals or dynasties, or, you know, in the case of Skull and Bones, it's the, it's the Russell Trust, it's the old opium dealers. And you, you can make, you know, you can be, you can leave a criminal legacy that will go on forever. And now, you know, with the internet, now it's being, it's being, you know, kind of exposed uh, for the first time where, where now, you know, anybody can find out, you know, you know, the history of some of these organizations and, and how this program has been put into play, you know, there, you know, in the, in the case of, uh, of uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, you know, Tragedy and Hope, Carol Quigley was a, essentially a whistleblower that, you know, let the cat out of the bag in the book Tragedy and Hope. And so more and more whistleblowers come forward, more and more people find out about the basics of the program. And so then what I've tried to do in the book is just give everybody, you know, here's the basics in a format that's easy to, to digest and easily easy to understand and brings you to insight quicker because you're able to actually see in the case of the Nazis, the Soviets and the U.S. and East Germany, you're able to see, like you said at the beginning, it's a playbook. They're all using the exact same techniques or using visualization 
to make what was invisible, whether it was monopoly media, you know, uh, uh, media monopolization, or the fact that all of these supposedly independent media companies are all connected through the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, and the Trilateral Commission, once you make that visible to people, then they can understand it in a way where it was just, they, they couldn't have, they couldn't imagine how, you know, they could be lying about COVID on every single channel. They just can't imagine it until you show them. And then they're like, oh. Well, that's that's that. something that Binkley's really mastered in that it, you see in the old days, you see Carol Quigley comes out with Tragedy and Hope. You see there's the Church Commission. There's like all these, the Operation Mockingbird stuff that was brought to the fore in Congress. Like there were, there were probably maybe good congressmen. I don't know. People were shocked and they or maybe the people needed and wanted it after Watergate. I don't know. But that stuff has really been pushed down on official channels and and back like, well, MK Ultra doesn't happen anymore. None of that stuff happens. But and and maybe we maybe maybe you do. I don't know. But maybe you don't see as many of like the documented psychological experiments that they do on people. But like you said, visual horse's mouth stuff. Binkley has brought forward so many uh, clips from people straight out of the Council of Foreign Relations, Chatham House, Royal Institute of International Affairs, where they 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 it, they focus more on the big picture strategy stuff. But but, you know, that chick, Binkley, you were saying, like, she layers it from narrative story message to reaction like she they they really they're they're like professors doing this stuff. Where yeah, what a, was that? Ajit Man is her name and her and. A bunch of other people who are psychological warfare operators. She runs a think tank. It's called Narrative Strategies. And the other guy, this was a, a deconstruction we did. And the other guys involved were military guys who run the psychological warfare operations. One of them out of Fort Bragg. There's a whole center there for psychological warfare. And the emphasis was on the use of narrative in psychological warfare and using that narrative to create dissonance in the communities that you want to kind of tear apart and undermine the, the narrative of and creating resonance in the communities that you want to get on board with a narrative that you're pushing. But the way that they speak about these narratives has little regard for truth or reality and total regard for controlling and shaping the information and the reality and the perception of the broader public for their own agenda and their own purposes. And Seeing what you were talking about on, I saw your interview with Corbett. It, it really, I mean, it struck me. It was, it was fantastic. I, I love the idea of using the visuals because the, the visual information, as opposed to just the words, it, it creates an experience in your mind. And yeah. that experience is more powerful on an emotional level than, than the words are. And uh, I, I thought it was really great what I saw. Hey, Binkley, I got to throw uh, some kudos out to you. You're actually in the book, uh, or at least uh, on page, um, some, of the, some, of the, some of the research that you did on page 46, I got the, this quote from you that I put under the media ownership chart, but deception becomes more difficult as the number of channels of information available to the target increases. However, Absolutely. within limits, the greater the number of controlled channels the greater the likelihood the deception will be believed. 
And that's from Deception Maxims Fact and Folklore CIA Deception Research Program paper, yeah. June 1981. And uh, I got that. To, I got that from you. There's probably other things that I've gotten from both yeah, of y'all that's that awesome. are in there. Yeah, they say it in those manuals. They just that tell came you. Came right out of the propaganda report. <laughs> Thank you guys. That's nice. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing what you find in these old CIA manuals and psychological warfare manuals. And and I mean, one of them is called the Simple Sabotage Manual, and it talks about putting sand in the gas tank of somebody's car so so their car doesn't run. It, it, they they tell you it's just people often they don't believe it and you can put oh it how in front about the them. leaky toilet the the leaky to like what happened on election night in in Atlanta in Fulton County yeah yeah in Fulton County they shut down the voting precincts and one of the voting precincts it was the Omni the, not the Omni where the Hawks play State Farm Arena State Farm. and they they shut it down originally because they said there was a leaky toilet which that turned out to not even be true there was some sort of pipe bursting but that's in the oss manual if you want to sabotage something you want to get a bunch of people out of the building or shut down their operations flood their toilets mess with their cir their circuit boxes and i'm watching the election coverage i'm like I, this is like they're just using the playbook from the OSS. Yeah, and what manual. you what you demonstrate yeah. so all those books i've noticed this like the books that you read and i've read them too you've sent some to me they're really old there were they it's it's yeah. almost like they got them all out there. They it, I always feel like the USSR had done a bunch of psych experiments the way China does like surveillance stuff and Israel does tech stuff like everybody has their silo. And once they kind of got the basics, they wrote it all down and they didn't have to like keep writing it down. And it looks like it's dated. They want you to say even in, now, if you like look up an article, it'll say this is two years old. It's dated. But this is one of those limited hangout things or at least use it against them. You find they're now doing stuff on Zoom calls or they're doing videos instead of having conferences. And you're telling me like that had a hundred views when I pulled it down, but it's literally a bunch of people with the US government talking about how to exploit the culture <laughs> and beliefs and values of groups of people in order to get them to react to you the way they want to undermine their own sovereignty as a country or as a person, as an individual. And of course, the underlying theme, the two things that keep coming up is they don't do it to us. And this one was right out of one of those old books, right out of a book from like 1940 something. And then I heard that guy, one of those guys with the information, I say, well, everybody does it, but we do it for the right reasons. Yeah. And so they, they want, so that goes to uh, in the book where you, where it, it's like this worship of the flag, this idea of, you know, the worst thing anyone could ever say is my country right or wrong. Like that's a terrible thing to say or think, but that's what the symbol of the flag. And, and uh, it's, it's funny it's because then, it's religion. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. they've slid the population. Oh the yes. In government as a religion. Yes. And this is conscious program using unethically manipulative techniques of like having children pledge their allegiance before they're old enough to understand what they're saying by weaving the weaving the flag, product placing it into movies and television shows, using techniques like anchoring, using techniques like transference. Yeah. They're they're running game on the population. And finally, the population, I think, is starting to catch on. And well this is an absolute parallel with the religion thing that I thought was that in the Middle Ages, we are told that to question the existence of God was unthinkable. 
not mm. frowned upon, unthinkable. And, you know, to question the necessity of monopoly government is unthinkable. People don't think I me mean, now, but like when I started thinking like this 10 years ago, People were laughing at me. I got a show on the radio because I was like a novelty act thinking that anarcho-capitalism doesn't mean chaos, that society is self-ordering. This mm. was something that people just laugh at. And you'd say, well, why? 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 Why do you can't look around you when people tip at a restaurant? It's not even illegal not to tip. People, you know, they, who's going to keep the who's going to build the roads? The guys who build the stores and the guys who build the apartment buildings, they're going to build the roads. They're going to make sure they're safe because they need you to bring your eggs to the mall to trade for whatever. Canada's already privatized air traffic control. You don't have the government doesn't have to do anything. And if the government, the other thing that, that I want, you know, most people to think about, or I'd like most people to think about is, is, you know, I'm an armchair economist and, you know, we would all be, amazingly crazy crazy rich if forget the forget the 30 you know percent of your income that the government is taking you know 25 to 30 plus percent of your income the government's taking in direct taxes if they just weren't allowing the banks to steal the value out of the money if we did not have you know forget the two percent inflation that the Bureau of Labor Statistics tells you the inflation rate is, we've got double digit inflation where instead of your money losing value, your money should be gaining value every year as innovations and productivity improvements reduce the costs of producing and distributing the necessities and luxuries of life. Even if the government kept robbing you of a third of your income in, you know, overt taxes, you would still be crazy, crazy rich if they weren't allowing these monopoly banks the ability to create money using fractional reserve banking, even though it's inflationary and even though that it's stealing the value out of everybody else's money we would all be crazy, crazy. We'd have more than enough money to help the poor, the needy, the disadvantaged, and the children if the government wasn't in a, in a program designed to impoverish you, designed to ensure that they have intergenerational wealth, that you don't, capital gains taxes, these, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to take your money because they don't want you or your family to have independent wealth to be able to challenge them. They're impoverishing the country on purpose to ensure that there's no independent wealth to challenge this organized crime system. I, I have to respond to three different things you're making me think of. One, as I was watching an old Western with uh, my family and somebody came in and ordered a pair of Lee jeans for 50 cents, <laughs> so 50 cents. And I said to everybody, I said, even my husband, I said, so do you think Lee jeans are easier to make now or harder? Like, do you, th how many hours of human labor, how much like physical, like hauling cotton and all that went into that pair of Lee jeans a hundred years ago or 150 years ago, should they cost less or more? And everyone's like less. I'm like, yes, but they're $50, not 50 cents. Like that is the magnitude of the theft that they're talking about. Yeah. Also, you wouldn't actually necessarily be crazy rich. Like at a certain point, like th there's something really, empty 
about and two dimensional about just wanting to like feed your, you know, put gold things in your hair. You know what? What the hell? Riches for? It's just yeah, it's just image. And even the super rich stuff, that luxury stuff is all about image. But if, if that was meaningless, like a potlatch where like they were so rich that like you just throw fish back into the water because it, it just it loses its meaning. So then you would do other things. You would explore art or get spiritual enlightenment or whatever. But once technology relieves us of the burden of necessities like that, like you could actually work not that much and still spend time with your family and maybe work a couple of hours a day for the amount of productivity that we can actually achieve. Probably materialism would take a backseat. But of course, at that point, the hierarchy would totally collapse. And I think they use all of their technology, technological savvy, all the propaganda, all the media just to, uh, to force us into a paradigm that is has been long obsolete to make sure that nobody can ever go Ron Paul by putting some money in the bank and taking to Washington and trying to tear that thing down or like what you're doing. I just yeah. feel like they're trying hard to make sure that no, like I said in the beginning, like you can you can feed your family, you, you can work, you can take care of your family and maybe you get to do one other thing if you're lucky, but they kind of want to make sure you can't do that one other thing, but you are doing that one other thing. Well, not only doing that, we and I and I kind of started this, and then we got sidetracked. But so then the question is, how do you win the whole thing? How do you expose it in an era of monopoly media and algorithmic censorship on the DARPA internet? And uh, and so the other thing is, we've got two different solutions. One we call the secession, and really, I think that the way to do it is to free one state, one you know small population, sub one point five million person state. And just it's a brute force attack on this censorship. And so it's going door to door. And so I designed the book so that it could be left at somebody's door. And when they pick it up, they're like, they're hooked. Like, you know, just absolutely they're hooked. And they're going to, you know, there's, they're going to, they're going to come to insight quicker, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, of all of the learning uh, tick tricks and, and uh, techniques that I'm using. Uh, but that's how you get around. And so the idea is to drop for about a million bucks. You could drop 100,000 copies of the book, a flash drive and a to be determined documentary with a letter explaining what's going on and then do 36 town hall meetings in a single state. So it's three, three kind of, uh, you know, town hall meetings in each community. And so you're, you're targeting the parents of high school seniors because you're getting three voting age adults. And the goal is to expose what's going on, begin moving people to uh, trusted, open source, encrypted, uh, you know, uh, communication platforms that keep, we're, we're, we're not being censored the way we are on Facebook and, and other, uh, uh, you know, other, you know, like Facebook Messenger is censoring links out of, uh, out of direct messages if, you're, if you haven't figured that out yet. And so how do you, you know, you've got to be able to get people off of it. And so it's the brute force attack as you just go through, you know, one state until that state either secedes or until you've got, you've, you're able to achieve, a, you know, kind of 15 or 20 percent um, complete civil disobedience. We're not paying our taxes. 
We're not withholding taxes for our employees. We're not listening to the order followers. We're not listening to the government. It's, it's criminal. It's criminal. And then that would be impossible to hide from the other states in the union if one state was to either secede or government authority just fell apart because people were on to the scam of the whole thing. And so uh, I think that that's very achievable. I think it's three to five million dollars, which isn't a lot of money. Uh, to be able to, you know, to free a single state. And if you want to free, you know, I think the, the number one state to do is New Hampshire, because the Free State Project has already got a concentration of libertarians and voluntarists and, and uh, uh, you know, already in the state. And so you could feed that network, you could grow that network very, very rapidly. And then once that the, the, the scam of government is exposed in one place, and that begins to spread throughout the United States, I think, it, it for it, it, you know, that all of the governments are going to fall once the cat is out of the bag. So if you want to free California, free New Hampshire. If you want to free uh, New York, free New Hampshire. Let's, and, and also we need a libertarian redoubt where we're safe from the order followers. And the order followers are the police and the military that have been put through these unethically manipulative programs so that they're willing to set their morality aside and use violence on peaceful people to, enf to enforce the edicts of this artificially indoctrinated statist religion on their friends and neighbors. And so uh, none of us is safe until we uh, diffuse those, those you know, ticking time bombs that have been kind of set up in the minds of our, our, of our brothers and fellow men. And so we've got to have a libertarian redoubt where gubernari mente holds no sway. And so I think that the easiest one is New Hampshire, Wyoming, and Arizona are kind of close seconds. You could run all three of them if we had enough money simultaneously. Uh, but once government falls and is exposed in one place, it's in the United States, it's going to spread rapidly through the other states. And then once government falls in the United States, it's going to fall everywhere because it's not us against the Russians or us against the Chinese. It's the Russian government against their people. It's our government against our people. We're being robbed by different organized crime families around the world that are all using the same technique, government gubernari mente. And once that spreads, it's going to go quick. The, it, like, the, like once the, that knowledge hits the hundredth monkey level, you know, it, you know, it's just, I, I think it's going to spread through society like wildfire. Such a great way to approach it, the one state at a time. I think a lot of the a lot of the ways that people okay. overwhelm themselves in this community is with the responsibility they thrust upon themselves of single-handedly trying to take down an elite globalist state that's just uh, this not quite defined but massive structure that no one person can can possibly do, and it kind of demoralizes people. But the one state at a time talking to people one-on-one -on -one and going to the town halls and all that. And I, and I love the idea of a flash drive. It has intrigue to it. There's a lot of elements here that are, it's perfect. It's, it's what, it's what we need to get messages out. I, I think it's a, a great idea. And I, I love the idea that you had, you kind of mentioned it earlier that people don't like to get got, you know, you got got, you know, and when, when, when <laughs> yeah. you expose it, you got got, that makes people go, no, no, I didn't. Let me look at it even closer. So I, that, that's a, it's an interesting and I think effective approach. Have you, what kind of success have you, have you found? 
So I've had all kinds of success in, in kind of waking people up. And I kind of told the story on, you know, the episode with James Corbett, um, uh, you know, how to present info to visual learners. But I've literally had people have life changing experiences. I call flipping it through the book and, and what I do and, and anybody can do it once you have a copy of the book, but just kind of go through the 20 techniques. And by the time that I get to kind of the last three or four techniques, you know, torturous policy, you know, uh, spying on the population, running concentration camps, black sites and things like that. Um, I've, I've had people that have just literally just, you know, become visibly uncomfortable. I've like, you know, that they just, you know, right. Like it, it's just, it, it became painful for them to see right in front of my eyes that they realized, Oh my God, I've been supporting what's essentially Nazism or, you know, essentially the same program that was used in East Germany and Russia and everything like that. It's just, it's very, very, very powerful to be able to see it with your own eyes. And also human beings are really good uh, pattern recognition machines. And so like when Monica was holding up the, the pattern. <laughs> it's of, another uh, whole, but there are different ones. They're all, they all have the halo. And right, I and actually saw this happen today. I, I gave the book to somebody before the show. And I mean, it was maybe 10 minutes and it was just like, oh, F this. I'm done with these people. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is amazing because of the visual thing. That's what got them to keep turning the pages. And, and so you can imagine what we could do if we could drop that into a hundred thousand, you know, homes in a single state in a, in a targeted way, going after the intelligentsia, the professor, professoriate, the bloggers, the vloggers, the people that create culture. The other, the other thing that I learned from my think tank days uh, is, you know, you don't have to win everybody really there's about 5% of society that, that are the culture creators, that are the professoriate, that are the intellectuals, et cetera. Once you, you are able to target them, so you don't even have to get everybody in the state, you've just got to, and it's really easy with demographic science and, and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and what the advertising agency has built to be able to identify those people, uh, you know, based on, you know, a variety of different factors, but like, you know, that 5%, they drag the rest of the society. And to Binkley's point, you know, nobody likes to get chumped. And I mean, I feel bad, you know, exposing this, especially to, you know, the people that have got conned by the police and the military and, you know, they shaved their heads and they put them in the costume and they made them goose step and, you know, do all these, these, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous things that they make the military and the police do. Um, you know, I say it with love, I, you know, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta take a look at, you know, the program that they ran on you. You gotta come to an understanding and you gotta side with the people over the organized crime system. And so that, uh, you know, that, that, um, uh, you know, I, I think that the people that are going to be the most ticked and are going to extract the most retribution on this criminal class is probably going to be the police and the military because they're going to be so frigging mad at what has been, you know, at, at like how visibly they've been tricked. They're wearing costumes or driving around in marked cars, identifying them as, 
you know, uh, religious cult members that got, you know, that, that you know, are, are enforcing the edicts of an artificially indoctrinated state religion on their friends and their neighbors. I mean, that's who's going to be ticked the most. And they're actually borderline woke a lot of the times anyway, which is why after they've experienced it from the inside, they can, it's only so long you can believe your own, because you, they actually, a lot of the times they went there under the delusion that they were there to help. And yeah. then to the extent that they have their eyes open a little bit, I think that's why the red flag laws and even like the, we have to find where Q lives in the military, all that stuff is actually targeting those people because they know Oath Keepers, you know, it's a it's a fine line for them to walk when they they are there to uphold the Constitution and then they actually don't like that's tough. So they are vulnerable, I think, to or or want to like it's in their actual natures to want to come to the other side. But the other thing is and this is a weakness in the whole conspiracy thing that you could exploit, which is people always say like, oh, you know how many people would have to be in on that conspiracy? I'm like, not too many because everybody has a direct report. As long as if you, as long as the, you follow your orders from your leader or you are just doing your job or they make sure that the, the anchorman, the news readers don't also, also think, they just have to read the stuff. Like there's easy ways to compartmentalize like the entire rank and file of any organization. But because of that, because most people aren't really in on the conspiracy, those influencers, those culture leaders and stuff, they're just like, this is the way the wind blow blows. This is how I get my paycheck. I'm doing a good job anyway. You know, look, I'm saving children or whatever. Those people are also vulnerable to the truth because the weakness of the conspiracy is that you really can't let any not too many people in on it. That's why I think you see them trotting out these old deep staters from Bill Barr to Joe Biden. They they like the people who are already in on it because they can't let too many people in on it because most people probably wouldn't really want to be in on it. So if you open their eyes to it, they may they 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 can't have already consented and they even play a bigger role. You want a guest recommendation? <laughs> sure. There's a guy named Howard Lickman that is running something called the Thick Red Line Project. And they're, they're helping the police say no collectively to victimless crimes, lockdowns, mask mandates, et cetera. And really that's the cop's number one strategy is to say no collectively. And so uh, the, you know, a thick red line department has drawn a thick red line in the sand and they've said, hey, we're not going to use violence on peaceful people unless it's a real crime with a real victim. And once we start having sheriff's departments and police departments that are honorable, that aren't willing to use violence in the name of government or law or any of these things on peaceful people that aren't harming anybody, that takes away all of this ruling uh, system's power. Uh, you can't have a police state if the police refuse to go along with it. Let's call that LEO nullification. Is there a name for it? Uh, well, Leos can be heroes. So there you that, go. Uh, you know, but so, the concept but, of state nullification of um, unconstitutional congressional law, jury nullification of not uh, convicting someone, even if they've done the crime, if the crime isn't a crime, you could have, um, you know, LEO nullification. Just a thought. Yep. Absolutely. I, I like it. I'm going to check that out. Now, I know we're getting low on time. And so I wanted, before we ran out of time, I wanted to thank you guys. I, I owe you guys a, a huge thank you. And so, as you know, um, 
uh, I've been a fan of the show for a while because I sent uh, Monica, I sent you a you know copy of the book, you know, like a while back. But about uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking with one of my book distributors, uh, Shane Radliff at Liberty Under Attack Publications. And I said, hey, Shane, I go, I'm, I'm you know, I, I just had this, you know, interview with James Corbett, and I'm trying to, you know, get it out there. I go, you know, what is the, you know, the best, you know, advertising or, you know, sponsorship option that I could reach, you know, the, you know, the uh, intelligentsia and the voluntarist, et cetera. And he's like, without hesitating, he's like, propaganda report at the Patreon level, uh, on Patreon, they've got a hundred dollar level with two shout outs. And so we did that and I sponsored it and you gave the best shout out. I can't believe how, uh, how enthusiastic you were and everything like that. And because so you didn't realize that in the meanwhile, I had read the book. I had tweeted at you that I wanted to have you on and go back, look at your DMS. It's from months ago. And I was talking to Adam the Agoras from Deborah. Deborah gets red pilled. Uh, I've done his and, show, yeah. Yeah, and he said, "Oh, well." And I said, "I, you know, I DM'd him, but um, go back and look. You'll, you'll cry. Then you're like, I can't believe I gave you a hundred dollars that. But that is actually you would have gotten it anyway. But I was super excited about it. Well, I was super excited to hear it. And so what I did is, is I actually gave it to my video editor and we created a little video. And so I call it the best uh, shout, best Patreon <laughs> shout out ever in Patreon history. And so we created a little <laughs> landing page at government-scam.com forward slash Monica. And I'd like to offer all of your listeners, and we've never done this before, a 10% discount if they use the code MONICA10 to get the book. And it's at government-scam.com forward slash Monica. And if they use MONICA10, which is on that page, they'll get a 10% discount. And, uh, and I, it was such a good, uh, it was such a good um, uh, shout out that I thought it will end up paying for itself a gazillion times. It over. was totally sincere. I must say totally. I, I remember sincere. that. I remember yes. how excited you were when you were telling me about it before the show. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was very, very excited. And uh, yeah, so now we'll drive people over there. They can listen to it themselves because it actually has some meat on the bones there because I was, I loved the book. I loved the idea behind it. And I'm so I have three teenagers. You think I know they they speak in memes. They yeah. speak in memes and you can't they live with me and they're not really fully red pilled, but they'll send me a meme of you know some weird stick figure saying something I don't understand. I'm like, what information is this? I do not understand it. So I don't think in memes. But the next generation, and we are going to need to wake them up. And I know how hard it is to wake them up, especially because of the way they've been trained to only get little bites of information. So you can, like, I just didn't even think of this. So that's why I wanted to ask you, how did you crack the code on the visual presentation? And how did you actually execute it right out of the box like this? So my day job is uh, I help, uh, I've got a consultancy that helps Fortune 500 companies learn at the speed of light. I do a lot with um, meeting room technology, interactive whiteboards, telepresence, visual collaboration. And so I already had an understanding of how people learn. And so literally I started with, okay, you know, how do you ex widely expose this? It's gotta be a physical book. And then if it's a physical book, 
you know, how can you tailor the book so that you can take somebody from zero to 60, a, a friend, a relative, a loved one who you just haven't been able to kind of like, you know, have them get it to where they'll get it because they see it with their own eyes. And so, so I just took, you know, my understanding of how human beings learn and just designed the book. Uh, from the from the beginning to do that and you just nailed it with the memes the memes I got the funniest I got the funniest collection of memes <laughs> in Liberty and a lot of them are you know in one meme I got my favorite meme in the book is uh, at the you know the signing of the Constitution and you know there's there's this you know this meme and, it, and it's got George Washington going <laughs> Sign right here where it says we give ourselves the ability to make up rules for everyone and steal the wealth of others. And just like right there, boom, it's like it's just that one meme just takes the entire Constitution and makes the whole thing a joke. like it just exposes the ridiculousness of the idea that a couple of dozen slave owners on a continent of 3 million people can go into a room and write down on a fancy piece of paper that they run everything and everybody's got to give them their money. And like, you know, it took Lysander Spooner had to write a book to completely destroy it versus, you know, a good meme can do it in one second. And you're like going, yeah, I guess that is a pretty dumb idea, isn't it? And like, it just, it just cuts through in a way that nothing else does. I was reading a slideshow, 150 pages. It was from a robotics subcontractor of the government. So it was a presentation that a sub was making to the government that is like they outsource this kind of information control, psychological operations. And it was about memetics. And I just one line stands out to me above all else is how they use memes to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. And I just, I thought, you know, warfare, right? And that wouldn't call. Yes. And and why is that an OK thing for them to even talk about whether or not it's our country or somebody else's country? And that goes just to this recent thing that Binkley brought us about these guys getting together, talking about how to create dissonance in countries where they want to affect regime change. And I feel like this is a country that they want to do that. And it's that it's not the regime of like, who's the boss, but even like the constitution was a regime change against the articles of confederation and mm -hmm. then, you know, or whatever system change. And I feel like now they're there, we've already kind of left the constitution in the dust, but now they're going for this technocracy and they're using the, these, this, they've actually changed the way we think and how we consume information and they're ahead of it. I always think that with some of the stuff that Binkley brings also about psychology and sociology They've done the studies, they know, but they don't tell us about the studies. They don't. I mean, they're there. Binkley finds it. And I found the memetics thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the ability to see that that's what they're doing. And and then it's simple to use it against them. That's the thing. Like, I, I think you're really onto something in this uh, strategy of hitting like one state and then everything will fall. Because if it weren't really that vulnerable, why would they spend? I mean, it's. Our attention span is 100% now engaged with a screen and the news is 24 seven and it's none of it's real news. Like it's all <laughs> propaganda. Like if, if that's what it's about, if it's truly just controlling the mind entertainment meets government in yeah. your etymology, if, if that is truly the game here, then it should actually be defeatable with the same thing, but you're so right, getting physically into people's hands 
and it does have to have the uh, the drive with it because um, that's what my people were looking at it like I want to click the links I want to click the links like it's a book you can't click the links yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can go to the website but because I looked at the January 6th thing and I thought how are you ever going to get a revolution going when if you were ever going to think about it they would send some guy in a Viking hat with a selfie stick to make you look stupid. Yeah. Like that's never going to work. It's never going to work that way. And I started to get demoralized. Binkley never gets demoralized, but I get a little demoralized, but I like this and I cannot move to New Hampshire, but I don't mind supporting the cause. So what can you do if you're, if you're, you know, my kids are in high school, I'm not moving right now, but what do you do? What can well, you do? I mean, the number one thing is you educate people and so I, this is so important. The information is so important that I give the book away for free. It's a preview copy. We take some of the pages out, but you get the overwhelming, you can get the overwhelming majority of the book for free at government-scam.com forward slash Monica. And uh, the best thing to do is if you're going to give it to somebody, you really need to give it to them as a hard copy. That's the other, you know, example that, you know, the other, you know, um, uh, a tip that I would give people. If you email them something, it's just too easy to delete. It's too easy for them to, you know, it gets buried in their inbox and they have the best of intentions or whatever. But if you give it to somebody and I, we've done a lot of thinking on this, you know, a lot of people, if you give them a digital copy, they won't even like most people do their reading at night. And a lot of people won't, you know, look at blue light after a certain time hours. So you're not even going to be able to get into the sweet spot for the, for, you know, for most people when they read, unless you give them a physical copy, uh, you got to wake up five of your friends and have them wake up five friends. We make bulk copies at, you know, uh, at, at the starting at the five level, uh, you know, cut it to the bone, thanks to a, uh, a donor to the Art of Liberty Foundation, makes it available so that we can sell oh. bulk copies at like nine, you know, like nine bucks a pop um, uh, if you buy them in bulk. Uh, and so those are those are some of the things that, that we did that, that I would suggest wake up five people, make sure they wake up five people. Um, uh, the main thing is, is exposing the two kind of pillars, one that government is illegitimate, like once you can get it through somebody's head, you know, using the desert island analogy, if you were on a desert island, explain to me how you would have a legitimate government would form or Larkin Rose's five questions. Once you can like break somebody of the idea that it's legitimate to have a government, that's that is the first pillar that needs to fall uh, within. And then the second pillar is once people realize that there is a man behind the curtain in the media and that the media is in on it and it's all of the media, you know, the, the, the quote that Brink, uh, Bink, I read earlier that Binkley brought to my attention, you know, when you realize that, that the media has been monopolized, they're operating as a cartel, it's deception and distraction and children's games played by adults on every single screen. Once you get that, then like it's like those are the two pillars that have to fall in somebody's mind. Uh, for them to, you know, to be able to grow and expand and, 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 and kind of re, uh, you know, develop a new understanding of the world, the way that it really is, once you understand those two things, those are the first two pillars that have to fall. And I even, I even take it uh, even one, one bite smaller in that I'll leave it around and it's actually starting to get a little worn out because I'll leave it around, people come and go, I'll say, hey, can you, what do you think of this? I can't really understand it. 
And he'll just like throw, you know, if it's a kid or something, mm-hmm. just I don't really what do you think about this? And then they'll just open it and start without thinking like I have to read this whole thing or she's trying to convince me of something. I just ask people what they think of it and or just leave it there. They'll just open it. But uh, yeah, I like the idea of I used to do that, too, in a coffee shop when I was marketing yes. a book for somebody years ago and the book was it was different. But what I knew it had is it had an interesting title and it had an interesting cover art. And why I would go to coffee shops and I would sit it kind of on the edge of the table just as though I was just doing work or something. And inevitably, every single time I did that, people would stop and they, they would go, what is that? And I, that would give. So I wasn't approaching them. They were coming to me and that was giving me the opportunity to tell them more about it and maybe lead to some more interest and drive them online stuff. But I feel like your book is perfect for that kind of thing is it the, it's visually uh, you know, attractive and it's, like, what? Yeah, it's kind I, of I've, got, I've got friends. I've got a bunch of different friends that do Airbnb and they leave it in their Airbnbs. And then they tell me stories about like uh, retired police officers that have been there or like, like I get all these kinds of crazy stories about people that have been exposed to it through, you know, just leaving it as a coffee table book in an Airbnb. That is really such a good interesting. Idea. Yeah, I like it. Well, I am, I really am. I, I mean, I'm a very critical person, very, let's say skeptical. I'm not, I do not rise to the level of cynical. But I'll tell you, the real the 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 absolute bow on this whole thing, I didn't find anything that I didn't find valid, but was that towards the back. And I'm sure it's updated all the time uh, were events and things you could do solutions, because I I've probably read 100 books that talk about the truth behind the what you're saying about liberty and the and the dangers of government, the true nature of government, but the fact that there's action items at the end, I mean, it's really genius. I really love it. So, all right. So, um, what if a gal like me just wants to contribute? Just go to government-scam.com and just donate a few bucks for to finance some of these books. Uh, yeah, government-scam.com forward slash donate. And uh, we're in the middle of a capital raise and you can get our executive summary and you can see exactly, you know, what we're trying to do. Uh, And the other thing is, is if any of your uh, audience know any idea philanthropists that want to really, you know, uh, uh, bring this system, this organized crime system down and expose it. Uh, we're trying to get to some of the heavy hitters in the liberty movement that want to punch above their weight and take this thing down. And so we think we've got a, you know, we think we've got a strategy and we think we've got the the tools to do that. And so if anybody can make any introductions, we'd appreciate that as well. I might have a couple for you. I'll think about that. Uh, not too many. I'm not really uh, in the upper echelons, but it just takes one, you know, maybe get one degree of separation closer. So I'll think about that myself. Great so, job with right. the book. Uh, it, it's yeah. a fantastic idea. What What else you got? What's the, uh, that's, did we forget anything? No, I mean, I think really the 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 interview that I did with James Corbett is the yes. best overview. So like if yes. you've got a friend that's not a reader, but you know that they may be willing to, you know, you know, watch a one hour 
52 minute, you know, James Corbett interview, uh, you know, how to present info for visual learners is the name of the Corbett report episode. And so that's the thing that I would, uh, I would direct people to. Um, and again, uh, government scam.com forward slash Monica and use Monica 10, get 10% off. We've never done that before. It's the first time we've, uh, we've ever offered a discount to well, uh, our audience. We'll also put you on our sponsor page so people can click through on the propreport.com. We'll put the Corbett link below because we made, or I certainly wanted to not repeat that stuff because with Corbett, it was a comprehensive overview of this book. And I didn't really want to do that because you just did it. So, and it was perfect. So that's great. I, I would consider this a little bit of a companion to that. So I do highly recommend people watch that Corbett video and give us feedback. I mean, I'm sure people will have, uh, I've actually already gotten a couple of messages from my patrons saying, thank you so much for turning me on to that book. So obviously if people are, uh, agree with us that it's a worthwhile endeavor. And I'll look a little bit more into the Free State Project because I wouldn't mind, um, I think your idea of the dominoes falling is brilliant, which is why they have to have every country on the same page. Like that was the idea behind the Trilateral Commission was to make sure there were no alternatives, there were no best practices to reveal the truth that monopoly government is a scam. No. And with that, thank you so much. And Hopefully we'll talk again and, uh, and we'll watch you make the circuit. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to get to meet both of you guys. And uh, thank you to the audience for caring. Thanks a lot. It was great. Are you enjoying this special episode of the Propaganda Report? If you are, you might enjoy our weekday show, The Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. We listen to the news and peel away the propaganda so you don't have to. It's free in the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform. And if that's not enough for you, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash propaganda report. There you can get a full 45 minutes of daily news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice or choose higher tiers that give you all of that, plus access to our very special disappearing patron parties, live-streamed cocktail parties with us and like-minded patrons, two Fridays every month that are always a blast. Hope you are enjoying this special episode of The Propaganda Report, and hope to catch you at a patron party soon. 